0: now let's begin
1: 1701, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, my name is Chris Lockhart, and the entire Trek 1701 crew has been assembled for this episode. First up, we have Curtis Hollomay. How's it going, Curtis?
2: Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Hello, everybody. Excellent.
1: Next up, we have Ra- uh, Ragnar. How's it going, Ragnar?
2: Well, it's going uh, quite well,
3: and hello out there, loyal audience. Yeah. <laughs> And last but
1: not least, we have Richard. How's it going, Rich?
4: Not too bad.
1: Getting ready for some Star Trek
4: chit <clears throat> chat.
1: Excellent. At the time of this recording, uh, it is between Christmas and New Year's. Um. So uh, yeah, I just go around the table real quick. How, how was everyone's Christmas? Um, Ragnar, how, how was your Christmas?
3: Well, I had a, a pretty good Christmas. Uh, I was a little bit disjointed. Um, my parents were both sick. oh, and that sucks. we were we were originally supposed to be hosting um, my friend Alexa, but because her family was going to go to Mexico. And then, of course, with all the pandemic crap, at the last minute, they decided not to go. So she <clears throat> ended up spending Christmas with them. So we had sort of planned two Christmases, one to share yep. and one for just the family. And then it just sort of ended up being one giant Christmas. And I got two dinners out of it. So I'm totally stoked with that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was real good.
1: Excellent. Uh, Richard, how was your Christmas?
4: It was pretty good. Um, normally we host Christmas dinner here, but due to like pandemic things, there just wasn't enough like people that were able to make it given their own situations.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: So uh, we went to Kim's parents and we had dinner there. And uh, like the grandkids all got to hang out and got a couple gifts. And then Christmas Day, my mom came here and made turkey dinner, which I'm still working on, because there was so many leftovers. Nice. So, all no, all, pretty good. And
2: now I know there's a bunch of food at your place.
1: <laughs> there's <laughs> always a bunch of food here. And, Curtis, how was, how was your Christmas?
2: Not bad. I generally dislike Christmas most of the time because of the way my family is. I end up having to go here, there, and everywhere. Mm. It's usually a minimum of three dinners. So it's a very busy and stressful time. And I love to see everybody, but I'm so glad it's over.
1: Excellent. Um, fair. Yep, that's fair. Uh, yeah, this Christmas I was working, um, so we had our my like my mom's side of the family. We um, by that I mean my mom, my sister, my brother-in-law, uh, my cousin and her husband. Um, we got together on the 18th. Um, had a, had a good meal then. And I spent Christmas Day, well, I had to work that, I was working nights, but I got a meal with my dad and his wife, um, Christmas Day, and then, uh, yeah, got to work on leftovers on Boxing Day, and and then uh, I was home on the 28th, um, but, you know, next, next year, I'm, I'm also going to be working Christmas next year, but I'm taking time off before Christmas, like, Basically, I'm working, I start work Christmas Day night, like in 2022, and then I work Boxing Day night, and then I'm off again. So basically, I only have to work two days. But those are the main days, because, you know, you get paid uh, double time and a half. It's hard to to pass that up, Um, even though the tax man gets you. It just sucks, because it's like the first paycheck of the new year, so the tax man likes to his cut. Um, but whatever. Um, so anyway, uh, did you guys, I forgot to ask you guys, did you guys end up meeting up on the December 4th there?
3: No. Um, I didn't realize that the, that Richard and Curtis were still getting together until it was already too late. Oh no. And I was like, Oh, well shit. Now I look like an ass.
1: <laughs> well, that that was that was probably my fault because originally I was going to come in as well, but then I ended up having some work things, and I couldn't. So, and then I was going to go meet you guys Ragnar.
2: Out?
1: Yeah, I was going to meet Ragnar on the nineteenth, but we went to Spider Man uh, movie. I took my knee, or I went with my brother in law, my my nephew, and my niece, and and uh, my niece kind of fell asleep during the theater. And then she woke up, and then um, for some reason darted out of the theater because she she seen people leaving, assumed that we had left, I guess. So I had to go running after her, and then she was crying out in the out in the hallway, and yeah, she wasn't in a good mood. Um, She did feel better after McDonald's. We took her to McDonald's, but we felt. Uh, I, or I felt yeah. Let's just go home. You know, just because I don't want her. You know, she was really tired. Um. So yeah, I didn't get to see Ragnar on the nineteenth either. Um, but your shows went well. I'm assuming Ragnar.
3: Yeah, the the last show was a bit slow. Mm. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, there was like three three similar shows running on the same weekend. Uh, and it was super, super icy in Edmonton.
2: Yes. So that's what stopped us from coming by. We were gonna when you were at the yeah. Butter Dome, we were gonna come <clears> see you, but yeah, it was it's like, eh, that's a long way to go, to,
3: <laughs> you know. Yeah, it was icy as heck. So the Butter Dome show went really well. Awesome. Um, that was that was my best craft show uh, of the year, and and set a new record for that show. Nice. Um, but the the one I did on the 19th, The witches Market, it was good, but it was definitely slow. Yeah. So, you know, or, you know, there's a lot of things going on. Yes. There's yeah. a lot of different shows, and then it was icy, and then there was also a global pandemic. And that was just when all the Omicron crap started hitting the media, and so everyone was getting freaked out. So you mix all that together, and it's like, well... Pretty good. It was as good as it was.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was the weekend before Christmas. Yeah. So.
3: Yeah. And I mean, that's cutting it a bit late. Yeah. If you haven't done your Christmas <clears throat> shopping already.
1: Yeah. But. All right. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Um. All right. For this episode, we are talking about Star Trek season. Oh, Star Trek. Star Trek Enterprise season 3.0. Um, so this is the first uh, half of season three of Star Trek Enterprise, and for this season, um, you know, there's a big change of pace. Um, you know, we're we're getting into uh, a season-long <coughs> story arc uh, where, where the crew of the Enterprise is battling, uh, are trying to find the Zindi in order to take down their their device. Their um, planet killer, which is uh, yeah, which we saw a, a mini one in the season two finale. Um. All right, so the uh, this episode, first episode of the season, fifty third of the series. It's called the Zindi. Date is unknown. Directed by Alan Croker, Written by Rick. Berman, and Brian Abraga. Original air date, September 10th, 2003. Captain Archer and Lieutenant Reed visit a mining facility in order to track down the Zindi. Um, Let's see here. What do we got? Uh, As the Enterprise travels deeper into the Delphic expanse, a secret council of aliens discuss what to do with the lone human spaceship. Meanwhile, Captain Archer directs the enterprise to a mining colony within within the expanse he then strikes a deal with the mines foreman in exchange for a half liter of liquid platinum Archer and commander Tucker will be allowed to meet a primate worker named Keswick. Um. all right so gentlemen uh, what are your thoughts on this uh, season premiere? Uh, we'll go with Ragnar. What are your thoughts on the, the season premiere?
3: Well, I think Season 3 is my favorite season of Enterprise. And, and there is a caveat which I've only seen all of Enterprise all the way through one time. I could I could revise that opinion on a repeat viewing, yep. but compared to how I felt in Seasons 1 and 2, Season 3 was just kick-ass. And it starts out that way, too. It promises more action. Um, it, it's showing us a whole bunch of new stuff, new aliens, new part of space, new problems for the crew to solve. And some new crew members, the, the military guys, which
0: mm-hmm. was, very,
3: yeah, was very Battlestar Galactica-esque. I, I mean, they did it before Battlestar, the new Battlestar Galactica, but, you know... It felt very much like that, how in Battlestar Galactica*, there were some space marines that would always show up when they had to fight and then would just kind of disappear the rest of the time. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of what these guys are, but it makes sense at that point, especially at that point in the Federation, well, pre-Federation history, that they would need somebody to do all the fighting and that the security, you know, the tactical officer probably couldn't handle everything by themselves. So I, I thought that was really cool. Um, and I also really love the, uh, the Zindi alien that looks, looks like, um, an ape from Planet of the Apes. He, he's my favorite.
1: Yeah. He kind of looks like Dr. Zaius kind
3: of. He totally looks like Dr. Zaius. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At least to me. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I, agree. You know, I mean, they changed it enough. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like a complete ripoff, but definitely somebody who worked on that costume, like Planet of the Apes. Yeah, which is fine because I like Planet of the Apes too. Yeah, me too, me too. So yeah, I don't think this was the best episode in the season or anything, but I think it was a good start because it showed a lot of promise and a and a lot of excitement for the new season.
1: Excellent, uh, Richard, your thoughts?
4: I thought it was pretty good, and I'm a I don't know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Makos. I like that sort of like. Military esque thing. My issue is that they kind of hid I don't know if it's intentional or if it was unintentional, but Starfleet is a military. I don't know why they took so long to simply just absorb the Makos into, you know, security forces. It just made more sense. Like I like the idea of the Makos and it's really cool, but I don't know. It just seems kind of wishy-washy with their whole, we're not a military military thing. And also, I really got um, Shawshank Redemption vibes during this episode because essentially mm-hmm. it was like a slave prison. Mm-hmm. And uh, Archer they and Tucker... Out
2: sewage?
0: <laughs> yes.
4: Yes. They crawled out through sewage just like in Shawshank Redemption. And uh, that warden, the leader of that Facility Just gave me some real bad vibes. Some well done. I uh, I enjoyed the episode. Honestly, it was good. It's not as much action, but it was a good start to a good action type series.
1: Excellent. Uh, Curtis, your thoughts?
2: I really enjoyed it um, because it's the beginning of the rivalry between Major Hayes and Malcolm Reed. Which I I, I get a kick out of it all the way through the series, and of course it culminates in a badass fight later on, Um, so I enjoyed that, Malcolm starts to get, you know, his hackles up and gets a little irritated, and we finally get to see some, like, interpersonal personality out of this character, so that was cool, Um, oh crap, what was the other thing I had to say? Oh, right. I would not be a very good losty if I didn't point out that one of the Makos is Daniel J. Kim, who, of course, is also in lost. <laughs> yep. Um, a losty?
3: Um, is that, is a that lost-y, the official term? Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: it's, it's what we use in some some circles. <laughs> oh. What would you call us?
3: Oh, I don't know, but I, I think that's just so funny.
2: <laughs> some of the people on the Lost subreddit have adopted that name, so yeah. it right. works. Yeah, um, yeah. I dig it. You guys pretty much said it. Cool episode. Great start to a season. Lots to like.
1: Excellent. Um, for my thoughts on this one, uh, I got I gotta say, um, f- and I'm I'm like for this season, especially I'm going to go last for my thoughts because normally normally when we do these episodes because I'm hosting I go first but, um. I got I got a got to to acknowledge something. When this season originally aired, I never watched it. To be honest with you, I saw a couple scenes here and there, um, but a- after season two of Enterprise, I was kind of I was like, you know, I'm just I'm not digging this. You know, like the whole planet killer angle was too on the nose with star wars for me you know i really felt like you know we had the death star being brought into star trek and i was just kind of eh. you know so i i actually you know like i said from a few scenes here and there like i would you know turn to the channel when it was on and stuff and and then turn you know like if i was watching something else um and i gotta admit i was wrong um you know i really liked uh, the way you know, what they did with this series going forward. Um, <clears throat> you know, seeing the military aspect of it. Uh, there's a few nitpicky things I didn't particularly like. Like, for example, like, the Enterprise is by itself, like, you'd think the Vulcans would, like, send a ship, at least one ship with them, you know, so they would have some, you know, like, some help. Um, and
3: yeah. Damn Vulcans!
1: Yeah, and and I just think from a writing perspective, um, that would have been a smart thing to do, um, because then we could have introduced some new Vulcan characters. We could have, you know, there, you know, there could have been uh, a little bit more there, um, Vulcan wise. Um, and like it I did explain why though later. Yeah, but I just, eh, you know, it, it was. I mean, I, I know I'm jumping ahead. It was so awesome when Tran showed up, um, you know. It, to me, it was, it was like the Andorians. I felt did more. You know what I mean? Like, like I know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I don't want to get too far ahead. But anyway, um, and as far as the Makos go, like I I agree with you guys. Um, that was a Roddenberry thing, you know. That we're not military, but it's like uh, you know, you you make reference to the Federation being at war with had. Been at war with the Klingons, had been at war with the Cardassians. The Federation goes to war, you know. Like, I'm sorry, but I know the primary objective of Starfleet is space exploration, but it is also, uh, you know, the chief military force for, you know, um, Earth, you know, at this <laughs> time for Earth uh, and for yeah, the Federation. Yeah,
2: but you don't send like regular army guys to do special op stuff. You can have like, yeah. Like- the states has like the Marines and Green Berets yeah. and maybe Seals. Like yeah. there's there's other divisions. That, that's yeah. what the Mako strike me as personally. Sorry to cut you off there.
1: Yeah, no, I and I I completely agree. Like, um, you know, the Mako should have always been a part of of you know Starfleet. I think. Like I, I, like I said, it's a it's a it's a Roddenberry thing. Like you know, he was really adamant that there not be you know conflicts and, and all that kind of stuff, but I'm sorry, like, wars happen, you know, like, things happen, and it's been mentioned in Star Trek before, um, you know, I know a lot of people, uh, at the time said that Gene Roddenberry would have hated Deep Space Nine because it was, you know, they showed war and it got pretty dark, but I'm, but that's, it, you know, that's life, like, it, it's gonna happen, like, you need conflict for good drama, like, I, you know, like, that's just, like, the number one rule for, for writing drama is you have to have conflict. Otherwise, you're just going to have a show about people going about their jobs, and, like, how boring is that going to be after, you know, the first episode? Um, Very boring. So, yeah, like, it, it goes all the way back to Roddenberry, so I'm glad that we got the uh, you know, got to see the Makos and stuff. Um, my only, and I know you guys might not agree with me with this one, Um, I wish they, I I. That the the head Mako guy, well, he was okay. Like I'm not saying I, you know, he was played by Stephen Culp, Major Hayes. I just wish they had had a better actor in that role. Um, and I mean, at the time they didn't know who they had, but in this season we're gonna get um, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Zindi. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey Dean Morgan should have been Major Hayes. And for those got anyone who doesn't know, he was. Uh, Negan on The Walking Dead. He was uh, the comedian in The
3: Watchmen. Yeah,
1: comedian in The Watchmen. He would have been amazing, I think, as Major Hayes. But instead, they had this Stephen Culp, and then they had him playing under prosthetics. You don't even a lot of people don't even know that he was in Star Trek. Um. So anyway, I just wish they had, you know, if they knew at the time. Um. And speaking of, of uh, guest actors, this is the first episode with Tucker Smallwood as uh, the Zindi primate uh, counselor. I love I love Tucker Smallwood. He's one of those actors that you see him in everything. Like he like I know he's been on the X Files. He's been, um, you know, like Curb Your Enthusiasm. He, you know, like he's just one of those guest stars. Uh, he was on Babylon. He's 5. like that. That.
4: That Asian guy with the with kinda of like the scarlet hair who's literally yeah. every Asian like you know Asian ever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Love yeah, that guy. guy. Yeah. <laughs> and and Tucker. Nobody knows his name, but we all know his face. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I mean that's like Tucker Smallwood. Like I mean Um I know he's been on like oh I'm gonna just call up his thing here real quick. He's been on everything. Um he came to Vulcan in 2018. Um and yeah, what a nice guy. Like super nice. He played the guitar. Uh really cool guy. He he's apparently 77 years old. You'd never know it when you meet when you meet the guy that he's that old. Um right. so yeah, I mean he's been in films like Contact, Deep Impact, um Traffic, uh and on television, he's been on Space Above and Beyond, Millennium, Babylon 5, The X-Files, Curb Your Enthusiasm, he's been on Seinfeld, Murphy Brown, Star Trek Voyager, Star Trek Enterprise, he's been on Friends, um, he's been on the Sarah Silverman program, I, I never watched that, but but yeah, he's just one of those guys that's been on everything. Like, even, you know, like he, a lot of times just plays background characters, but
2: um, Apparently he was in something called Fartcopter. Fartcopter. I'm very, very curious to see what that is now. Nice. That sounds hilarious. It is what I think it is. It's going to be five minutes of hilarity. <laughs>
0: um,
1: but yeah, no, having him on on was great. And then yeah, like you were saying, Curtis Daniel Day Kim. Um. Yeah, he he's amazing. Again, you know, uh, well, he, I, I guess previous to this, he had been on uh crusade the the babylon 5 spinoff that got cancelled he was he was the first officer on that so that's how You're i first
2: daniel day kim still
1: yeah daniel day kim that's how i first met him was he was in crusade um and then that got cancelled then i i remember seeing him on here and then yeah lost that's when he really
2: done uh... an episode of voyager as well oh yeah, yeah. right right i remember
4: that with the donut planet, with time, yeah, time the, relativity. the weird
2: planet that like time moved different because it spun so fast. <clears throat> Voyager was the skyship.
1: Okay, right. I think I have seen. Yeah, that he one. was one of
2: the astronauts that went up, and then his partner died, and he he went back to his planet to get them to like stop shooting at Voyager.
1: <laughs> that is, yeah. yeah, that is cool. Um, yeah, that's another series I got to go back and rewatch because I again. With Voyager, I've probably only seen about half of the episodes, um, but yeah, now that Star Trek is what Star Trek is, you know, at least we got we can go back and rewatch stuff like Voyager, Enterprise, and all the other good Star Trek series. Um, all right, the next episode, fifty-fourth of the series, second of the season, An- Anomaly, uh, date unknown, directed by David Strayton. Uh, written by Mike Sussman, original air date September seventeenth, two thousand and three. The crew of the Enterprise encounters the rigors of the Delphic Expanse firsthand, and deal with pirates operating from a cloaked alien's giant cloaked alien sphere. <clears throat> um. All right, uh, Ragnar, your thoughts on, or sorry, Richard, your thoughts on this episode.
4: Um. Honestly, I thought it was pretty good. I like I like the idea of pirates and raiders. So like to me they're just like Delphic pirates and um they're pretty uh, uh how do we say pretty intense and the and the fact that they basically commandeered an entire sphere that they didn't build, it just sort of like Flows with the whole pirate esque thing, mm-hmm. and I thought it was pretty fun. Um, I liked the episode. There's a lot of good, uh, a lot of good action there, some shooting, and uh, it's a pretty good time.
1: I enjoyed it. Excellent, uh, Curtis. Your thoughts?
2: Decent enough episode. Um, it doesn't really stand out for me. I just watched it the day before yesterday and couldn't tell you that much about it. I mean. <laughs> It's all right. Um, reminds me of when Voyager went into the void and immediately got robbed. Kind of the same vibe going on. Maybe that's why I sort of just, eh. I mean, I don't hate it. It's all right. Don't have much to say. Excellent.
1: Um, Ragnar, your thoughts?
3: Um, you know, I got to echo a little bit what both Richard and Curtis said. It was, it was funny that, you know. First thing, they step out, and bam, they get robbed. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, the real highlight of the episode was, like, well, what the hell is that sphere thing? That looks sweet. I want to know more about that. Yep. Um, otherwise, you know,
0: yeah, not a whole lot
3: to say. There's not any major twists or turns or super big plot developments here. So it was interesting, and kind of like episode one, it just led, you know led me to believe this was going to be a more interesting and exciting season, so... Yeah, and of course I I didn't watch this on its original airing. I watched it on Netflix, so just immediately watched the next episode.
1: Um, well, quick question. I'm just looking at Wikipedia here, and it says the actions of Captain Jonathan Archer received criticism in this
3: episode. So I can't. Oh yeah, what what did he do? Wasn't this the one where he uh, he throws the dude in the airlock and starts to uh, decompress it or something? Doesn't he? I, I can't remember. I think, yeah, that's I right. of that, he kinda, he kinda
0: got, that was this one. Yeah, he kinda yeah exactly what he did. Torture. And it was the
2: first time that we saw, like, <clears throat> oh, damn, like, Archie didn't go there. He's were dealing with a different Captain Archer in this and season. That, and, that's, that's and, that, point.
3: and that is what I liked more about Season 3, was Captain Archer finally got interesting. He got darker. He got meaner. And for me, anyways, I loved that because mm-hmm. I found him a little. Wishy washy in the first two seasons. I, I'm not saying I hated him, and I and I don't don't want to like shit on him or anything like that. I just he I didn't find him to be a particularly strong captain in the first two seasons, and in season three and and then on into four, they they let him do some more stuff, and it's so much better. Yeah. So yeah, that's right. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, he, he gets a little dark in this episode, and it was kind of like whoa. Awesome.
2: <laughs> you can kind of tell Scott Bakula's getting more into it now, too. He was sort of, oh, yeah. like yeah. you say, just a little stiff and boring in the mm-hmm.
3: beginning. He didn't really get to do anything. Yeah,
2: yeah, and thats I don't think that's necessarily Bakula's fault. No, no, I don't. But now he gets to stretch his legs a bit, so yeah. it's
3: fun. Yeah,
4: I think that that goes down to, like, the writers. I think the same thing with uh, Voyager. Kate Mulgrew is an amazing actress, and mm-hmm. they kind of just, like, you know, they just put her in a box, and they just made her this, like, coffee wench from the Delta Quadrant. And I'm just like, man, she has so much ability and talent, and you just let it go to waste. Yep.
1: Um, I don't really have anything to add other than the guest cast included Robert Rustler, who... Play- I can't remember his character's name. He was in Season 2 of Babylon 5 he was the um, the the pilot the fighter pilot that was part of the main cast he was the one
4: oh lieutenant um uh, something or other
1: Kessler no Ke- Kaffer no it, maybe it Is was a Kafir I can't or remember
4: I'm gonna look it up
1: but anyway he was the one that found the shadow ship on the season two Babylon 5 finale and then ended up dying getting killed by the shadows. I wanna say Keffer. I want to say his name was Lieutenant Keffer. Uh, let's
4: see. Babylon Five season two. Yeah. Let me just
1: uh pull yep. up some information. War- here. Yeah, he played Warren Keffer in season two from ninety four to ninety five.
4: Yeah, I liked him. He was good.
1: And he was also What's he that? also acted in the nineteen ninety five sci fi video game Fight Simulator Wing Commander Four, which starred Mark Hamill and Malcolm mm-hmm. McDowell. Wow. Yeah. Knockout Crew. I remember those Wing Commander games were pretty friggin' awesome back in the day. I seem to recall they made a movie in the 90s and it was not very good. N- yeah, with uh, Freddie Prince Jr. And, yeah. And Shaggy. I like... watched that. Yeah. But
4: The Last Starfighter was super good, though. <clears throat> I don't oh, yeah. know why that popped in my head.
1: <laughs> um... All right, well, next episode is episode 55 of the series, third of the season, and it's called Extinction, Date Unknown, directed by Jordi LaForge, LeVar Burton, written by Andreas Bormanis, uh, original air date September 24th, 2003. While per- pursuing the Zindi, three crew members are exposed to an alien virus and begin to mutate into a long-dead alien race. Interesting. Um, tch, 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 extinction was shot across seven days with the soundstage transformed into an alien jungle for filming. Um, so anyway, I, I Daniel Day-Kim's in this episode, and that's about all I got to contribute. Uh, Curtis, your thoughts?
2: It's funny that they got Lavar Burton to direct this because didn't he play Jordy in an episode where Jordy got transformed into yes. another species by an alien virus as well?
1: Yep, uh, identity crisis. Because
2: yeah. this, this is pretty much. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <clears throat> season two, I think that was. Anyway, no,
1: season five. Um, or no, four. Four, four. Season four. Sorry.
2: Really? Uh, anyway, um, what was I thinking?
1: I don't know, I
2: threw you off. Yeah, no, good good enough episode. I didn't care too much for the, the plot in the story, but it was fun <clears> being <throat> able to watch um, some of the actors sort of get to be outside themselves for a bit. Yep. Uh, because they get transformed into aliens, and they have this whole other language, and as usual, Paul has Vulcan blah 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 that makes sirmian which is getting old by now, but, you know, <clears> whatever. Um... Yeah, not not particularly enthralling or thrilling, but a standard Star Trek episode, which isn't a criticism. There's nothing wrong with a standard Star Trek episode. No, I don't skip it. It's good enough.
1: Excellent. Uh, Ragnar, your thoughts?
3: Um, I like I like this episode. And I thought the concept was cool, if maybe not super original. I'm pretty sure we've seen you know, this done before in Star Trek and in other, you know, science fiction um, shows. But I thought it was good, and and it was interesting, and it was, you know, a way for, like Curtis was saying, the actors to step outside their usual roles a little bit. Um, yeah, I thought it was a good episode. Solid three out of five. Okay. I, I don't recall any particularly... Epic moment in it, but I don't recall any moment of watching it and be like, "This episode sucks." I'm going to skip to the next one. Yeah, but just another good episode.
1: Right yeah. on, uh, Richard. Your thoughts? Um, I'd go
4: somewhat similar to Ragnar and Curtis, but at the same time, kind of like meh for me. So maybe like a two out of five. It was just, you know, it seemed like a a weird rip-off of Genesis and that, that episode you were talking about with the LaForge where he almost got turned into an alien, too. It just... I don't know. Like, I still watch it. It's not necessarily super important to the overall plot. It is a filler episode, I think, but with what Curtis said, it is cool to see the actors and actresses sort of, like, getting out of their, you know, boxes and getting to do something different. It is an interesting... It is interesting to watch that. So aside from that, I don't right. have much else to say about this episode.
0: All
1: right. Um, <clears throat> the only thing I got to add um, is this concept of of, of uh, al- or humans getting turned into aliens uh, reminds me of the of the Ray Bradbury star uh, story, uh, Dark They Were and Golden Eyed, um, which is a, which is a neat story. Um, so w- what the concept is people start going to Mars and have settled it, but then they start disappearing. And then the next settlers come, and they know that there's uh, Martians, using air quotes, that live on Mars. But what the Martians actually are is humans that basically mutate in, into Martians just by being hmm. exposed to the planet. Um, and they and they don't actually disappear. They just become Martian. Um, Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it was a it was a good short story. I, I liked it. Um, <clears throat> all right, the next episode is fifty sixth of the series, fourth of the season, and it is raging, R- raging. Um, date unknown. Directed by Michael Vier. Story by Paul Brown and Brent V. Friedman. Teleplay by Brent V. Friedman and Chris Black. Original air date October first, two thousand three. A slave girl Archer rescues from an alien bazaar, seeks refuge aboard the Enterprise, but betrays the crew instead. Um, So, yeah, once again, we got Tucker Smallwood showing up, and let's see. um, In this episode, Captain Archer and the crew visit an alien bazaar seeking a formula to help protect the ship against the anomalies and Delphic Expanse. They bring back on board a former slave girl named Rajan, whose motivations are not what the crew initially believe. Um, The critical reception was mixed with criticism leveled at the gratuitous female sexuality scene, but the reviewers were pleased that it showed the sense of continuity in the overall Zindi arc, with it described as a space opera. All right, uh, Ragnar. What's your thoughts on this episode?
3: Oh, I, I liked it. I thought it was a fun episode. Um, had a, a you know for, for Star Trek in in this universe, it, it was a little racy at times with the, the the whole slave girl thing, and and there's starting to be some more, you know some more serious tension between uh, uh, Tucker and to Hmm. Um. and I like the idea that, like, they have to go to a different planet and go to a bazaar and, like, try to barter with the locals to get some stuff to help improve their ship. Like, I thought that was kind of neat, mm-hmm. um, and, and you know in the Star Trek universe that there there would have had to be so much stuff like that, but we don't normally get to see it. And, you know, DS9, we do get to see a bit more of that, and we discussed that in previous podcasts Mm -hmm. and how much we liked seeing that, so it was neat to see it here, too. Yep. Um, And and especially, too, there is no Federation yet, so, like, there really is that sense of, this ship is really on its own, Mm -hmm. so they would have to do stuff like this all the time. And I got to, you know, I like that. Um... And yeah, yeah, it was it was a good episode. Um, Certainly more exciting than many of the episodes in seasons one and two. Yep. And Uh, I I was just reading up on it, and and apparently this was the most watched episode of the season. Not yeah, not sure why that would be, but that's what it says.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Interesting.
1: Uh, Curtis, your thoughts.
2: Well, I didn't have many at first, but Ragnar Ragnar makes a good point. This is, I mean, it does contain elements of what we all like. We get to see what's going on outside of the squeaky clean, sterile Federation environments and get into, like, some grittiness. So that's cool. Um, I did enjoy the scenes in the Bazaar. I don't care that much for the plot. It seems kind of, I don't know, just one of those tropey sci-fi plots with, you know, the honey pot and yeah, eh, it just seems kind of same old, same old, some cool parts, but overall kind of a meh episode for me. It's all right. Yep.
1: All right. Um, well, Richard will be back shortly. So we'll move on to the next episode, uh, which is 57th of the series, fifth of the season impulse date unknown directed by David Livingston. Story by Jonathan Fernandez and Terry Metalis, teleplay by Jonathan Fernandez. Originally, original air date October eighth, two thousand three. Enterprise encounters a Vulcan ship whose crew has become unstable due to trillium D exposure. Subcommander T'Pol soon begins to exhibit the same symptoms. Um. Uh, let's see here. Um, Oh, uh, Richard is back. Hey, Richard, did you have any thoughts on um, the episode Regime?
4: Not particularly. It wasn't my favorite. It was okay, but I didn't have a lot to say about it
1: anyways. Okay. Um, So we've moved on to the next episode, and I'm just getting some more plot stuff here. Um Captain Archer carries subcommander T'Pol to Paul the sick pay where the, doc, where the doctor straps her to a bench. wakes and threatens to kill Archer and Fox sedates her. A day earlier, the Enterprise receives a, a distress call from a Vulcan cruiser, the Solea, and found the ship adrift in an asteroid belt rich in trillium ore. Archer decides to send a shuttle pod as the Enterprise is too big to maneuver. Um, and yeah, mayhem ensues. I... I, I gotta say out of the this i like this episode I, I like the you know the contagion you know making people go crazy and you know you gotta find a cure i'm i'm a sucker for that kind of that uh, storyline i mean you see it and we've seen it before um in star trek we've seen it on the x-files it's it, it, it's a fun little little trope which i don't mind um richard w- w- what are your thoughts
4: I actually really like this episode. Um, I think the <clears throat> older Vulcan ships are really cool, so anytime we get to see them is really fun. Mm-hmm. Kind of like when we get to see, like, Klingon ships like Vorschach-class and the Naguar. Um I just enjoy the style of the ships. And I, too, I enjoy that trope of, like, you know, people going crazy due to XX substance, blah, blah, blah. Yep. And, and right. I just... I like the ongoing effects. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. But aside from that, good episode. A little bit a little bit of tension, you know, they're getting chased by crazy Vulcans through the whole ship and they almost die and and then the whole shuttle pod on the on the little asteroid meteor, whatever it is
1: in the drilling thing. Yeah. yeah it was a good episode. I liked it. I liked it. Excellent. Um, Curtis, your thoughts.
2: Yeah, cool episode for the reasons already stated. Uh, but the part I particularly enjoy is we get to see some vulnerability out of the Vulcans at last. They've spent <laughs> the whole series so far enjoying this sort of elevated condescension mm-hmm. toward humans. And now we get to see them having lost their vaunted control that they believe makes them superior. And it's just kind of nice to see them getting a bit of a kick in the pants, you know. Agreed. So I dig it.
3: Agreed. Uh, Ragnar, your thoughts? First off, can't can't stress enough. Zombie Vulcans were awesome and scary, and it was wicked. Mm-hmm. Uh, more of that, please. <laughs> um, it was cool to see. Finally, like just like Curtis just said, you know, finally. The Vulcans aren't so, um, you know, invulnerable to everything. High and mighty Vulcans getting taken you know, down a peg. Getting taken yep. down a peg here. That was cool. Um, yeah, it was a good episode. It was fairly well done. Interesting concept. Don't have too much else to say, but definitely, definitely liked it. Excellent.
1: Alright, uh, the next episode is 58th of the series, 6th of the season, and it is Exile, Date Unknown, directed by B'Elanna Taurus herself, Roxanne Dawson, uh, written by Phyllis Strawn, original air date, October 15th, 2003. A Beauty and the Beast-like tale involving, involving Ensign Sato becoming potentially helpful telepath on a deserted, helping, a, encountering a potentially helpful telepath on a deserted world. Um, I like this episode. I, I didn't mind it. Um, you know, it, it was okay. Um, and since uh, you know, who couldn't help but fall in love with her. Um, uh, so I totally get where this guy's coming from. Um, and yeah, that's about all I've got. Uh, Curtis, your thoughts.
2: we or less the same. It's one of those obligatory Star Trek tropey episodes, but it's also a trope that's borrowed from like Mm
0: -hmm.
2: whatever you have this tragically lonely person who is isolated because of this thing that makes them special. And they try to use that thing that makes them special to appeal to whatever for companionship of whatever kind they're seeking. And, you know, a person rebuffs them, rejects them. Now it's unrequited, and there's a conflict because of it, and then it gets resolved. It's pretty formulaic, formulaic, but enjoyable enough. Yeah, um, decent episode. Nothing really stood out to me that I can remember. I just watched it yesterday, <clears throat> so I mean, you'd think that if there was something crazy, it would really stand out, but it doesn't. So, yeah, it's enjoyable enough. Excellent,
3: Ragnar. Your thoughts. Well, don't have a whole lot to say that hasn't already been said. Um, I thought it was a, a, a cool episode. I didn't really pick up on the Beauty and the Beast thing, but it seems really obvious now. So maybe when I was watching it, I was originally I was tired and wasn't paying a lot of attention or something. Um, I think it was also kind of exciting when they discover at the end that there's at least 50 more of those spheres mm-hmm. in this area. Um, you know, I like that. Like, okay, this is this is getting bigger. This is getting bigger, and they're getting. You know, they're starting to get clues. They're getting closer to finding out more about that weapon. So, yeah, yeah, good episode. You know, probably probably need to watch it. Oh, you know what? That's something else that's kind of neat about season three. The episodes are sort of connected. Like it's mm-hmm. one storyline over the whole season instead of every episode being being um, you know. Um, Whatever the I can't think of the word right now. Episodic. Yeah, instead of it being episodic and every episode being a standalone, this this one more is More
2: serialized.
3: More serialized, thank you. And oh, thank that's you something me. I also really liked about season three, was that it is sort of one longer storyline over a whole season as opposed to all these self contained episodes. And so you kinda do need to watch the whole season in order to really appreciate it.
2: Excellent. I, I do have one more thing to add if I have if I have time. Absolutely,
3: yeah.
2: Mm. Um, just speaking of Roxanne, uh, yeah, Roxanne Dawson. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed some of her work the other day that she did with Michael Dorn. I got an audio book called The Way of the Warrior, which of course is all about Klingons, and it was written by Mark Okrand. Nice. At least three of us met in Vulcan. Mm-hmm. I think we mm-hmm. were all there that year, weren't we? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep yeah so he was a super cool guy to talk to Um, it was only an hour and a half or a couple hours long but it was about different phrases in the Klingon language and it was narrated by Roxanne Dawson and Michael Dorn and they would give you the phrase, give you its meaning and then they would extol some anecdote that had to do with Klingon culture that was like a um, like a source for the phrase or whatever the heck it was pretty enjoyable I have a new appreciation for Klingon culture that I didn't have before um, and she was involved in that project, so I, I did want to bring that up, something I, I've done recently. Awesome.
1: Yeah, she's very talented. Like, I, I, um, I, I think I, it was when I was at my dad's. I, my dad was watching one of his shows. Like, he likes to watch Blue Bloods and, I don't know, like NCIS or something. And anyway, like, I, I was just sitting there chatting with my dad and i was noticing the opening credits and she was one that she directed one of those episodes i can't remember what show it was but you know she's she's getting around um as a as a very uh well-known director so you know kudos to her uh richard your thoughts on this episode
4: um it was all right i didn't like the character you know the subplot was probably better. You know, with the the learning of the information about the spheres, but the whole uh, Hoshi Sato alien beating the beast thing, I don't think makes sense because in beating the beast, eventually Bell falls in love with the beast. There was no chance that Sato would ever fall in love with this beast. Um, aside from that, it was it was it was a decent formula episode for star trek it's pretty much all i can say about that
1: excellent um all right so the next episode is episode 59 of the series seventh of the season and it is the shipment date unknown directed by david Strayton. written by chris black and brent v friedman original air date october 29th 2003 captain archer learns of Chemosite, a uh, key element in the new weapon being built to destroy Earth, and seeks to follow its supply to the super weapon. All right, so we've got uh, Major Hayes in this episode. Um, Shipment is, uh, as I said, the 59th episode of the series. Uh, the episode was filmed in late August and early September, at the same time as the season premiere was first aired. It used. A combination of standing sets along with a handful of new sets to represent locations on the Zindi planet. Um, two actors resumed their roles from earlier in the season. John Cawthorne Jr. had previously appeared as a Klingon to both Star Trek, Next Generation, and Deep Space Nine. Um, so anyway, yeah. Uh, let's go with Curtis. Or No, uh, sorry, Ragnar. It's your turn. What
3: what do you think of this episode? Well, I, I liked it. I thought it was a good episode. It, it you know it's bringing us deeper into the world that they're building here. Um, we learn a little bit of. I think it was this episode. We learned that there was a an avian race of Zindi that that
2: that's right are oh, gone,
3: yeah. which hints to me that oh maybe this this Zindi with all you know maybe they're not as unified and cohesive as as they present themselves so far. Um, and I think it was this one where they, they have something that's about to blow up and they just beam it out into space. And I remember thinking, like, man, imagine if we had transporters in real life, how useful that would be for stuff like that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a oh, reptilian a bomb. gun.
3: Yeah, we don't need to deactivate it, just beam it out into space. You know, like man, this garbage smells really bad. Well, let's just beam it away. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
4: Like, you can't, it would just be silly to beam garbage into space, but if you send a garbage scout into the sun, that'd be kind of cool to see well, that explosion. Yeah, I mean,
0: <laughs> you know what
3: I'm saying. It would It would devolve into, if I had one, it would devolve very quickly into, like, you know, I'm going to use this for all sorts of stupid reasons, not for what it was actually made for.
2: Well, there's... Ragnar beaming used condoms into space. I'm not getting baby trapped today.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just to go off on a quick tangent, uh, this reminds me of something I was thinking about just recently. Um, I'm listening to an audio book called Midnight at Chernobyl, which is uh, going over the the disaster at Chernobyl and and all that kind of stuff. And the problem that we have, like, uh, you know, I mean, this is a world problem, Chernobyl. Um, is it is still technically melting down, right? Like, I mean, it's going to be, I think they said like 20,000 years before it's finally done. So humans are going to have to be dealing with Chernobyl for centuries to come, like, you know, cause the, the new structure that they built over it is only meant to last a hundred years. And then it'll mm-hmm. be, it'll be so saturated with radiation. We're going to have to do something else, Right. Um, we're gonna have to build a new structure over that structure, you know, and, and basically keep going, right? In order to keep this thing contained. Um, and this new structure they built is already taller than the Statue of Liberty. So, I mean, th- this thing's huge. Um, but I was thinking, you know, what we need to do is we need to build something that can dig right underneath of it and, you know, like a claw or something and, and we lift it out of the ground and fly it into the sun. Like, that's what we need to do to get rid of this thing. Like, clearly we don't have the technology mm-hmm. now to do it, but I think, you know, in a, in a hundred years or a couple hundred years, we might be able to do that. Like, just dig the whole area out and send it to the sun and let the sun destroy it.
4: I think by that time we'll have better ways of just using uh, nuclear radiation I hope so. I, I would, I would I like so. to. I would like to
0: think.
2: You know what I mean. Well, as an iron worker, I can actually speak to that. Uh, building standards have improved quite a lot in the <laughs> last eighty years, as you might imagine. And the uh, you'll be happy to know that the nuclear plants of today, at least those here in the West, are extraordinarily over engineered and yeah. extremely safe. That's good. So, if you were worried about that, there's no need to be worried about that.
1: No, no, no. I, like, I mean, the thing that, you know, listen to this audiobook. And I, actually, the, I, I've recommended it before on the Pop Culture Pub. The Chernobyl miniseries that's on HBO, you got to watch it. It's so good. Um, makes you understand exactly kind of what happened. But, of, of course, it's a miniseries. You know, they changed things for dramatic purposes. They combined uh, certain real-life characters into, like, one character for the show, you know, just for, you know, so, you know, because there was literally, um, you know... Take mil- some
2: liberties for entertainment. Oh, yeah, kind of
1: absolutely. Thing. Well, the thing is, there, like, just the scientists involved, there was, like, literally thousands of them, right? And they, you know, they couldn't all be represented. So they kind of just made this one character that kind of amalgamated them all. Um... But you know, listening to the audiobook, like yeah, like the the like they knew there was a problem, and they kept it secret, you know, because it was the the old Soviet Union, and and nowadays that just wouldn't happen. Um, plus, uh, uh the nuclear uh, reactors back then used to use, uh, what they call a positive coefficient, um which I guess we don't do in the Western world. And I don't think they do it in Russia anymore either. And that also contributed to, to this disaster. Um, but yeah, no, like getting rid of Chernobyl. Like, I mean, that's something that it's not going away. Like it's something that has to be dealt with eventually. And I just, I think the solution is simple, you know, you just, uh, throw it to throw it into the sun, you know,
2: literally throw it into the largest source of radiation in the solar system.
3: Yeah. Chris, Chris, the only problem with that is that, like, let's say you took the nuclear waste and you put it on a rocket and you sent it into the sun. Yeah. What if something goes wrong and that rocket doesn't leave our atmosphere? Yeah, I know. Or it explodes, you know, up yeah. in the sky, and, and and that's why they don't do it. Yeah, I know. So, like, like now, like I'm
1: saying, like, not now. Like, I'm thinking, like yeah. like I said, in 100, 200 years when our, you know, rocket technology is a little bit more reliable um yeah you know that
3: sort oh, of thing it, may, it makes it makes it makes sense just right now it's like oh that's the best way to get rid of it and then you're like oh my god can you imagine what would happen if if something went wrong with that and now it's like oh it could be you could be making a bad situation worse oh,
0: absolutely. but in the future
3: yeah if we had a, a way more reliable technology that that is not only possibly what will happen but Probably what
1: will happen, <laughs> and, and to go and to go piggyback on this tangent on an with another tangent, um, one of the things like watching the Marvel movies that I always think about is, you know, like with PIM technology, PIM particles, you could t- like you could take Chernobyl and literally shrink it into, <laughs>
0: yeah. in,
1: into, into <laughs> and then it'd be so easy to get rid of. But I was thinking like watching these Marvel movies, like they're like it's clear that they're space programs and stuff are not any more advanced than they are for us in the real world. But you think they would. You think they would have, you know, got Hank Pym because that's the key to space travel is going smaller. You know, cuz the biggest problem is 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 us content. us having to break the atmosphere, right? Like us having to have all that fuel to 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 beat earth's gravity to get into outer space, right? Um but think about it, like if you build one rocket and you build all these space stations and spaceships on Earth and then just shrink them and you take them all up in one rocket. Like, again, I mean, that rocket could blow up and then all your stuff's gone. But if you can get that up in the space and then just, you know, reverse the pimp particles and make them their normal size, like it'd be so easy for, to you know, to start uh, moving about in space a little bit more.
2: Once we start mining the moon, we'll probably build everything there. It's so much easier to launch.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But anyway, um, that's my, my tangent for this episode. Um, did we go around the table yet for this episode, or did I just jump on everybody? Uh, Richard, what, what are your thoughts on this episode? If you remember uh, what I'm talking a sec, about, one sec. I got
4: um, <clears throat> yeah, I got stuck in the tangent.
1: A little yeah, bit. me
0: too. <laughs> uh,
4: what I wanted to say is that I really like the primates, the zindi primates.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: I think that they're really cool. Um, the insects and and um, the reptilians. The insects, meh, but the reptilians also really badass. You know, they're just a very Interesting race, and just the idea of four or five parallel evolutions of the same overall species is is actually very, very intriguing for me.
0: Mm
4: -hmm. It's unfortunate that we couldn't have met an avian, but I understand the restrictions for a TV show. It might have been very difficult to create a race like that. But I think the primates are my favorite. They're just... They're the are the ar, arboreals. Right, they're the arboreals, sorry. The primates are the humanoids. The human-looking ones. The arboreals, I think, are my favorite. I just really enjoy their, their race in general. Uh, uh, it was a good episode. Um, also, going back a little bit, talking about Major Hayes, I actually like the guy that plays him. He comes across as a very, you know... Uh, I don't want to say standard, but he comes across as a as a good, you know, Air Force type major. Yep. And just the way he interacts, like I do, like the way he portrays the character. Could somebody have done it better? Probably, but I do like his portrayal of it. And aside from that, it was a good episode. Uh, I do like that they did a lot of um, exposition. They learned a lot of things about Kemosabe and. Oh, there was even some Omicron, Omicron radiation in the episode at some point. <clears throat> but yeah, good episode. Um, I don't skip it. It's good, and it's fun. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Excellent. And Curtis, your thoughts?
2: I like the idea of the story overall. I would have been much more satisfied if they had stretched it out over two or possibly three episodes, because this is like a major part of the plot now. They found... The source of like, like this stuff that's that's absolutely essential to the construction of the weapon.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <clears throat> You've got three races of Zindi all in the same place conducting this transaction. I I don't I have trouble accepting that this the, the guy who was the head of the chemosite refinery, the uh the emboreal guy. Um I have trouble believing that he would have so much trust for Archer so quickly. Like, I, I think it would the the episode could have benefited from some more relationship building between the humans and the the head of the chemoscy refinery. I yeah. think we could have had some more exciting like almost like near misses when the reptilians go searching for him when they can't find him and then they go oh my god they're almost gonna get Archer like it, it, higher stakes would have been possible with a longer mm-hmm. longer run time um, and more time to build the the relationship between Archer and that guy. Other than that, like it was it was good, but it was rushed. It was all crammed into one episode, and that's mm-hmm. what it took away from it for me. Yeah. That's all I got.
1: Excellent. Um, all right, the next episode is episode sixty, eighth of the season. Uh, Twilight. Uh Date Unknown, directed by Lieutenant Tom Paris, Robert Duncan McNeil. Um, written by Mike Sussman, original air date November fifth, two thousand and three. A parasite causes Captain Archer to lose his short-term memory and he, with the help of T'Pol and Dr. Flock, seek a way to change the past. Um, Richard, your thoughts.
4: Richard? Sorry, I was on mute again. Oh, no no problem. I actually really like this episode. If I'm not mistaken, this is the one with the... The future Enterprise, right?
1: Yeah, we're... Uh, no, if I, if there's I,
4: two, two Enterprise NX-01s, right?
2: No. Oh, there's the there? Intrepid with the Enterprise NX-01 at the new human settlement after yeah. this gets destroyed.
4: Yeah. No, no, I'm thinking about the other one with um, Paul and, and Tucker's son. But this one was also really good because I, I have a thing for... Um, Time paradoxes, I guess. Time, Time. foolery.
2: Uh, yeah,
4: timey-wimey foolery. Uh, it was just a really fun episode. Uh, not so much fun for Archer, because, you know, he suffered a lot in this one with, uh, you know, not remembering anything and things like that. Yep. But, yeah, this is a really, this is a good episode. And I like how they kind of, like, came came to that bridge and they blew it up and it was really sweet. Yep. I don't know what else to say about it. Like, it's just a good episode for me.
1: Excellent. Uh, Curtis, your
4: thoughts?
2: Well, as any regular listeners will know, I love the episodes that mess around with time. And I like how they sort of put a unique twist on this one. We've seen in the past, like, Picard have to confront a future version of himself and, and know that events are going to play out a certain way. We've seen well, TNG did them the best, so I'm not going to go and list all of them. Or I'll be here all day. Um, I do like this twist on the time of foolery. Uh, it's just a, a new way to do it it's cool to see that to Paul is of such character that she instead of like proceeding with her own life decided no Archer's gonna need somebody I'm gonna be that somebody that's what I'm gonna choose to do yeah so that was cool to see uh, I really enjoyed this episode I'm not gonna go on and on um, that's all I got
1: all right um I yeah I, I really like this episode um I thought like like you know, like you said, Curtis, it was a neat uh, concept of, of you know doing the the time travel stuff. Um, and one of the things I find fascinating about this episode is I uh, I had uh, uh, we my wife and I had uh, this this fr- we were friends with this couple, and um, we're not they moved away, so we're not we don't hang out with them anymore or anything. Um, But the 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 lady, I remember her telling us about her dad because her dad had been in a bad car accident when he was, I don't know, a little bit younger. Like basically, like she was still, I don't know, in high school or something. He got into a bad car accident and he got like hit in the back of the head with a fire extinguisher. Um, and yeah, he suffers from short term memory loss, and some and it comes and goes, right? So sometimes like. He'll have a conversation with you and then literally like 15 minutes later he'll have the same conversation and not remember that he hit he had had it with you. So this kind of I you know and there there are people out there that suffer from from short-term memory loss like this. So I thought it was a neat um, way of, of showing it um, and I th- really think that's you know this is a classic example of, of Star Trek showing, you know, a real problem that somebody might have but with a sci fi twist, so you know, you don't you know, if you're not thinking about it, you're enjoying the episode. But when I seen this episode, I couldn't help but think of uh this lady's dad and this is what it must be like for him, you know, to, to constantly be repeating things, you know, with his um short term memory. Uh well I guess long term memory too. Um so yeah, it, it was it was a neat episode, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, Ragnar, your thoughts?
3: I totally dug it. Um, you know, right now in pop culture, there's a whole lot of like multiverses and alternate reality stuff. It's very trendy right now, um, and so this episode, you know, kind of hits hits on that. With you know, this is this is what could have happened. And I almost would have liked to have seen more of that, what, what that would have really looked like. But, um, you know, I, I understand the, the constraints of a television show from this era. Yeah. And uh, it was a great episode. Um, it was fun to see that the cast get aged a bit. And, um, yeah, de- definitely not one to skip. Excellent.
1: All right, uh, next episode is episode 61 of the series, ninth of the season, uh, North Star, original... or sorry, um, a date unknown, directed by David Stratton, written by David A. Goodman, original air date November 12, 2003. Investigating a planet found to be inhabited by humans, the crew find a town resembling the American Old West. Um... So I guess uh honestly I think this episode was probably written to save some money so they could use the Paramount Western sets. Um you know, they can film on a different set that it's not uh that they don't have to create. And that's about all I got. Um Curtis, your thoughts.
2: I really dislike this episode. Just there's nothing about it that impresses me or is entertaining. It it came across as a little preachy. It's like, yes, okay, we get it. This guy hates these people because they're Skagarians. Got it. And they just keep beating you over the head with it. And I'm like, okay, I don't care already. Next episode. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Ragnar, your thoughts?
3: Uh, don't got a whole lot to say other than what you two have already said. It definitely felt like, uh, we don't have enough money, so here's some filler. And last week's was better, and next week's will be better too. Thanks for tuning in. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Well, yeah, like I said, you know what? If, if you really need to skip an episode this season for brevity reasons, this is the one. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't mind a yep.
2: Western. Yep. I'm with that.
1: Like, I don't mind. a I like when Star Trek does Western. Um, like I said, I think they needed to save some money and Paramount has Western sets that they can use. um, You know, like, that's why... Especially in the original series, because they had no money. That's why you had, like, Spectre of the Gun. That's why you had a a Nazi planet, because they had, you know, done a movie about Nazis, so they had uniforms and the European sets already built, so that's why they filmed an episode there. Um, Next Generation, uh, Fistful of Datas. Like, great episode. Like, that was one... That was a Western episode that was done very well. Uh, But again a money saving episode because you know, all the B plot takes place on the enterprise and the A plot takes place on the paramount Western lot. So they, they, you know, it's a, it's a means of saving some money. So, you know, that's how that, that was my takeaway. As soon as I was watching, I was like, Oh, this, this was uh this was for budget reasons. Uh, Richard, your thoughts.
2: I, I did, I did think of one good thing to say, if I may cut in. Sure. Absolutely. Go on. Uh, I, I, I really like the job done by the guest actors. The sheriff and his evil deputy guy, I mean, as tropey as they both were, I thought they both nailed it. Other than that, I don't care about the episode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Richard, your thoughts?
4: Uh, Though I agree with the three of you, I actually really like it. I am a big fan of... Western episodes, and though those things that you mentioned do sort of, like, detract from it, not the, the budget saving one, because I don't really care about that for the most part, but uh, just, I like Westerns, and I thought it was, I thought it was fun, and it kind of gave me, I've recently watched a show called Westworld, it gave me a little bit of a Westworld vibe. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, and okay. Yeah. Well, I watched the first season of Westworld. Maybe that, we can talk about that later.
1: You you don't have to watch any more seasons after that. That is really yeah, when yeah. it was at its best.
0: Yeah,
3: they only made one season. It's a shame they never made more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah.
4: <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's why I like it. Um I I agree with a lot of the criticisms about it, but I still just like, you know, I've just got a flair for that sort of like western type of thing. Like maybe I should have been born a cowboy or something, but Yeah, that's pretty much it. I thought it was fun. It was a good episode. Uh, An episode that you can skip for continuity, Mm -hmm. but one you can watch if you just want to hang out.
1: Excellent. All right. Uh, Next episode is 62 of the series, 10th of the season. And I hope I'm saying this right. Similitude, I think is what it's called. Um, Nailed it. Excellent. Date Unknown, directed by Jordy LaForge, Lavar Burton. Uh, written by Manny Cotto, Original air date November nineteenth, two thousand three. Commander Tucker becomes comatose after an accident, and a rapid, rapid-growing clone is created for the purpose of harvesting brain tissue. Um, all right, uh, who's next on the list? Uh, Ragnar, your thoughts? Um,
3: it was great. Uh, um there were there were moments when I, I wanted to punch Sim. Mm. And there were moments when I wanted to hug Sim. And so I think that makes for a pretty good episode overall. Um Yeah, yeah, I think it was it was pretty fun. And I mean realistically trip is the best character in the show so an episode that's all about him is going to be great
1: so it it's kind of very similar in a way i think and correct me if i'm wrong to um, the Tuvix situation only this mm-hmm. time only this time they let him choose and he and he made his choice to to save trip mm-hmm. Whereas Tuvix, Janeway's like, nope, you know, you, <laughs> you're gone. I, I don't care how much you cry. Um,
3: yeah. 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 Well, Janeway, man,
0: the Iron Lady,
1: right? Oh, yeah. Oh,
4: yeah.
1: Uh, Richard, your thoughts?
4: I actually really like this episode <clears throat> as well. I, I like a lot of Enterprise episodes. Just throwing that out there. Um, I really like the the moral conundrum that they r- run into here because they did create a sentient life form.
0: Mm-hmm. Where I
4: think it's different from Tuvix is that Tuvix was an amalgamation of two, two people, previously yeah. sentient life forms. And although Janeway is a murderer, that's a tough situation as well. Here, it is somewhat less difficult and. At least he got to make the choice in the situation. Yeah. It was really cool to have, like, two trips running around. But when I first saw it, like, way, way back, I legit thought that Tucker was dead, and I was sad through the whole episode. Then I was like, the fucking clone. Right. So, yeah, this was really well done. Um, A Tucker-centric episode is always a good time. And I just, yeah, I like... I like these episodes that they give you a a difficult situation to ponder and and the morality of it. Like, you create a sentient life form for the purpose to harvest his brain matter. Yep. Damn, that's some deep, deep shit. You know what I mean? So yeah, great episode. Um, I don't skip it and I don't recommend anybody else do either.
2: Excellent.
4: And Curtis, your
2: thoughts? It's a better episode your first time ever through this series than it is after you've seen the incredibly tragic and unfortunate final episode of Enterprise. Mm-hmm. So having having that knowledge sort of I see the opening scene of this episode now and I'm like god damn it because I know what's coming.
0: Yeah.
2: And that sort of sours it for me a bit but you know I never made the connection between this and the Tubics episode before, so that's interesting. And that speaks to me because, for me, personal choice is a really important thing that we have. So seeing and thinking about it for the last few minutes in that light, that's actually a really cool and important theme um, that I find quite enjoyable. Um, I think the best part is probably when Sim is into Paul's quarters... And he asks her if there's ever been anything romantic between her and Tucker. And, I mean, obviously we've been thinking as the audience that something's got to be developing there with this Vulcan neuropressure thing they've been doing. And now someone on the show has finally, like, said it out loud. So I think that was that was cool to see. And it kind of personally got me thinking, like, hey, something's something going to happen? That would be super cool because to Paul is definitely, like, not your typical Vulcan. That <laughs> yeah. was a cool, thing. good episode. Um, I really want a toy space shuttle to fly around in my engine bay now, but those <laughs> toys don't exist. I guess they do. They do now. They didn't at the time, but now I can just get a drone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe yeah. I'll just do that and make it look like a like a shuttle pod. I nice. guess. Yeah. good episode. Three out of five. Excellent.
1: Um, all right, so the next episode is 63rd of the series, 11th of the season, Carpenter Street, Date Unknown, directed by Michael Veger, uh, written by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga, original air date November 26th, 2003. So this is like the, the winter, fall finale, I guess, what what what, what we would call now as a fall finale. Um, hmm. With the help of Temporal Agent Daniels, Captain Archer and Sub-Commander DePaul go back to 2004 Detroit to stop a group of reptilians from developing a biological weapon. Um, so here, here's the guy I was telling you guys about, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. He plays the Zindi reptilian in this episode. Um, as, you know, I, he went on to do uh, many things after, after this. Um... Again, you know, I I think because the season there was so many, you know, they, they like they really upped the special effects in, for the season, you know, with the yep, you know, with yep. the different ships and the and, and the Zindi weapon and all that. I think that's why we get episodes like the Western one and episodes like this one, um, because they can just film, you know, oh, we're traveling back to 2004, we can just film, you know. In, in, in contemporary earth you know um again you know it's a little trick of the trade that began all the way in the original series um but yeah jeffrey morgan this is his episode uh i love jeffrey morgan um yeah best known as negan and then yeah the comedian in in 2009 he was also uh, uh thomas wayne in was it Batman v Superman or Justice League? We have seen him. I can't remember. Um, great actor. Um, he had him. He had a series that unfortunately got canceled. Oh, what was it called? Um, oh, he was all also. He's been on Supernatural. Uh, I, I think he's their dad on Supernatural. Those two guys. Uh, forgive me. I've never actually watched Supernatural. Um. And, yeah, he's just, uh, he had a great series. Um, I'm trying to find it here. Uh, he was on The Walking Dead. Um, oh, he—the the rumor is he's going to be in the new Flash movie um, for the Flashpoint uh, uh, film. Um, because Thomas Wayne does play a big role in the comic book version of that. So, um, it kind of makes sense that, uh, he would come, come back, uh, to, uh, to play that. Um, he was in the, the new version of Red Dawn. Oh, Magic City it was called. It was a series said centered around the mob in the 1950s, Miami. Really good series. It was a shame it got canceled. Oh, he was also in The Losers. Uh, and he was in the Jonah Hex film as well. Um, yeah, this guy, you know, he's been around. Like, he's in Grey's Anatomy, he was on ER, he was on JAG, Walker, Texas Ranger, Angels, CSI, Sliders, The O.C., Monk. Um, so he's kind of like, uh, what's his name there? Um, smaller uh, Tucker Smallwood. He's he's just one of those actors that was kind of like in uh, like so many different projects before he hit it big with uh, with the comedian in two thousand nine. Um, Richard, what what are your thoughts on this episode?
4: Again, with more timey wimey stuff, I really like it, and I like Agent Daniels. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it's not anything that I get like super write home about by any means. It's good for exposition, and it's a good. It's actually a really smart place to hide. Like, you know, early twenty first century Detroit, late twentieth century. I can't remember the exact date, but also, I I guess I'm just salty because I don't like Dodge. But they they (laughs) hijacked a Dodge Ram in the episode. (laughs) I was like, couldn't they just you know hijack a better vehicle? But I mean, for Dodge to get the uh, you know the product placement for a Star Trek episode that's a pretty big deal. I don't know what they had to do for that or if it was actually a big deal, but yeah, uh, I was salty about it. But aside from that, it's a good episode. It's important to watch, I think. And yeah, aside from that, that's all I got to say about that.
1: Excellent, uh, Curtis. Your thoughts?
2: The blood bank employee was also the homicidal insane hologram from voyager who befriended the doctor and tried to convince him that they should run away and you know just be holograms somewhere and get away from organic life forms yeah that's all i really have to say about the episode other than that i tend to nap through it it just doesn't do a lot for me as much as i do tend to like the the time messing episodes this one just i don't know what it is just doesn't do it for me excellent
1: um, I'm kind I kind of, I agree with you. I, that's how I feel too. Um, and to be honest, I didn't make the Jeffrey Dean Morgan connection until he was on a, like a late night talk show talk. Like uh, this is when he joined like the walking dead. So it was like Jimmy Kimmel or maybe Jimmy Fallon or maybe Conan. I can't remember, but one of them showed a picture of his character from, from Star Trek. Um, You know, because they were showing like the different um, different uh, characters he's played, so of course that's the one that stands out, right? Uh, And then I was like, "Holy shit!" I didn't realize that. So yeah, I went back and watched that episode. Uh, Ragnar,
3: your thoughts on this? Well, I didn't love this episode. Um, It also bothered me that Archer knew how to drive so well, like immediately. I was kind of like, hmm. If you sent me back in time, and you threw me on a a wagon drawn by horses, maybe I could figure it out, but I wouldn't know how to do it automatically. Anyways, um, the best part of this episode is the very ending, when the guy gets arrested and he starts saying, no, 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 it was the lizard people and the space aliens with the ray guns.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That was the best
3: part of the whole episode. Yeah. Um... But as a whole, this episode isn't that great. Definitely feels a little bit low budget. Um, it's not terrible, you know. But it's not the best episode.
1: No, no. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to episode 64 of the series, 12th of the season, Chosen Realm. Uh, date Unknown, directed by, once again, Roxanne Dawson. Uh, written by Manny Cotto. Original air date, January 14th, 2004. Religious zealots seek to execute Captain Archer for supposed acts of sphere desecration after hijacking the Enterprise. Um, so, uh, yeah. I don't have a lot to say about this episode, so I'm going to throw it over to Curtis. Your thoughts, sir?
2: I don't have a lot to say either. I'm I'm reading the synopsis right now, and I'm like, I don't really remember this. So it couldn't have stood out that much. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wish I had more to say, but I just, I got nothing.
1: Yeah, and not a whole lot of uh, notable guest stars, unfortunately.
4: Um, The leader of the religious cult, I think, he seems familiar.
1: Connor O'Farrell. I clicked on his Wikipedia and I got nothing. But anyway, uh, Richard, or sorry, Ragnar, your thoughts.
3: Honestly, I'm with Curtis. I don't remember this episode at all. And it wasn't that long ago that I watched season three. So either I... Missed it and fell asleep or it was super forgettable. Um, So the rating I give this episode is question mark. All right. And and Richard, your thoughts, sir? Honestly,
4: I got to say that I agree. It was your basic, like, bad guy takes over shit. Bad guy gets outsmarted. Bad guy gets tricked. Blah, blah, blah. It just... uh, It wasn't great. And it was just the same, like, I'm the bad guy. I'm so smart. But actually, I'm an idiot. Blah, blah, blah. Religious call this, whatever. Yeah. Nah. Nah. I got got nothing, and I don't want to, you know, go on with a negative diatribe.
1: Yeah, it's uh, the old Homer Simpson. Um, you know when he was dancing around. I am so smart. S M R T. Yeah, this. The, yeah, not not a great episode. Um, but I think we're going to end on a positive note. I hope fingers crossed. With this episode, it's the last one we'll be discussing tonight. It's the sixty-fifth of the series, thirteenth of the season. Proving ground. And we actually have a date this time. It's December 6th, 2153. Directed by David Livingston. Written by Chris Black. Original air date, January 21st, 2004. Um, The reason why I have a feeling this is going to be a good one is because we got Jeffrey Combs back as Shran. Love Jeffrey Combs. Um and I already know. I can't
2: think of a Star Trek episode he's in that I don't enjoy.
1: Yeah, and and I know I mentioned this before, but there was this petition because, as you guys know, there was a new Star Trek series coming out in the new year called Strange New World, Star Trek Strange New World, and it's with uh, Anson Mount as Captain Pike. And I love Anson Mount, but I I could not get through his Discovery episodes, and it wasn't anything against him. It's just discovery sucks. So fingers crossed. I'm hoping <laughs> you know it'll get better, Stranger Worlds. But I'm not holding my breath. But there was an online petition to have Jeffrey Combs play Doctor Boyce. Um. So if you if you watch ever watched the original pilot of Star Trek, Doctor Boyce was the chief medical officer of the Enterprise, and he was also uh, the count ca- you know the, the counsel to uh, Captain Pike. Um. And he could, you know, mix a good martini apparently. And they wanted Jeffrey Combs just as a human, in his in as as his age now, um, to play that character in the new Star Trek series. Unfortunately, they're going with a different doctor who was on the original series. Um, he was in a few episodes, so I'll give them credit for that. But I was really fingers crossed. I was hoping Jeffrey Combs would have been on the new Star Trek series. I, I would have lost my mind. Um, shitty or not, I would have watched it just for Anson Mount and Jeffrey Combs. Just because I love both those actors so much. But um, this episode, yeah, Tran, Tran's here and, and uh, loving it. Um so I'm gonna go over the plot a little bit. The Enterprise, despite losing most of its map data, continues to transverse a series of spatial anomalies in Delphic expanse. When heavily damaged by a particular dangerous vortex, Enterprise is suddenly pulled clear by an Andorian ship. The ship's captain, Shran, claims to claims he is only interested in helping the Enterprise in its mission to subvert the Zindi's weapons in the interest of forming a closer alliance with humanity. Suspicious of the Andorians' true motives, Captain Archer nonetheless agrees to allow them to work together with his crew to repair the ship and to scan the test site for the Zindi prototype weapon. Tran permits Archer to command his crew in capturing the weapon, with Enterprise distracting the Zindi, and the Andorian vessel grabs the weapon and stores it on board. The Andorians actually want the weapon to give them an advantage in their conflict with the Vulcans. Archer is ejected in an escape pod. Ah, poor Archer. Back aboard the Enterprise, <laughs> he threatens to detonate the weapon unless the Andorians surrender. Tran believes this is that this ultimatum to be a bluff, but when Archer activates the detonation sequence, he reluctantly ejects it. The weapon explodes, damaging the Andorian ship, but leaving Enterprise unscathed. They receive a secret t- transmission from the Andorians containing a detailed scan of the prototype. Archer is pleased and orders it transmitted to Starfleet and invites Trip and Depault to his quarters for some Andorian ale. Um, yeah, uh, a great episode, you know, like, uh, yeah, Shran is such a great character and I'm so upset, uh, when I read that apparently <clears throat> had Enterprise went for a fifth season, they were actually going to make him a, a main character. So, yeah, that, uh. Such uh, such potential spoiled. Uh, Ragnar, your thoughts on this episode?
3: <clears throat> oh, it's a, a damn damn great episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always great to see our man, Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. And Shran is, of course, a lot of fun, because we know he's not there just to help the Enterprise, but he does help the Enterprise. Yep. You know, so he's... <clears throat> He's not a he's not a like a full-on villain, but we know that he's not excuse me, we know he's not being completely truthful and honest. And so that was a lot of fun and of course Archer knows this too. Um Yeah, this is a damn great episode. I was super pumped to see the Andorian show up and Yeah. What else can I say? It was awesome.
1: Yep, agreed. Uh Richard, your thoughts on this, sir?
4: I, I too,
1: really enjoy this
4: episode, and I like the little things they do with the camera. Like, do you remember at the beginning of the episode when, you know, they first introduced Shran, and he's on the other side of Archer against the view screen, and it looks like Archer has the antenna coming out of his head? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoy just small, like, camera tricks like that. I don't know why, I just, it's just like, it you know, tickles my brain in the right way. Yeah. But yeah, it's a good episode. Um Tran is a very intelligent character and he knows not to underestimate, you know, the pink skins as it were. And it's just like a great episode. I don't know what else to say about it. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of fun, you know, there's some uh, some deceit and some intrigue and it's just, just a well-done episode. I enjoyed it.
1: Excellent. And Curtis, your thoughts?
2: I'm really ashamed to say this, but I wish I could remember more of this episode. I'm just I'm reading the synopsis and I'm I just watched started watching season three in a hopeless, desperate struggle to try and get through the first 13 episodes before we recorded this. But I only got as far as uh, similitude. Mm. So I don't remember this episode. I've only seen Enterprise twice. To be fair, yeah. Um, so my knowledge oh. of it is nowhere near as thorough as like Deep Space Nine, but uh, I mean, I can imagine that it would be a huge relief for the crew to realize that like they're not actually completely alone in mm-hmm. this expanse. They have somebody, and even though it's kind of a dastardly, not completely trustworthy somebody, he's probably the best ally you can hope for. Yep. He's actually, at least Shran's a man of action. And, you know, he'll charge in guns blazing if he needs to, whereas the Vulcans, I don't really know if I trust them to help you out in there, you know?
3: Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. I'd, I'd trust, if I was Archer, I'd trust Shran over the Vulcans, like, most of the time. Yeah.
2: Except well, for the... especially in some weird place like this Expanse.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But but the thing is though, Shiren will fight you to the death if he needs to, right? So there is
4: that with, with oh, a nice pick, yeah. With a nice
1: pick, yeah. <laughs>
0: um,
1: all right. Well, uh, actually, I'm glad we ended on this episode um, because you know the previous episode, a lot of us couldn't remember that episode anyway. This was a great episode. Um, but one thing I'm, I'm I'm scrolling through here, I didn't realize this season is only 24 episodes. Normally we go 26 episodes. Um so we should have actually ended last with our last episode discussion, but I'm glad we ended on a positive. Yeah. One. Yeah, I
3: was going to say but well, we got to end on a good episode.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and this and this was great. This was great. Uh I was so happy to see him when he showed up. And, and I'm, I'm with you too, Curtis. Like my, my knowledge of Enterprise isn't as extensive as Deep Space Nine and TNG just because, um, yeah, I've only ever watched season three of Enterprise, like, yeah, twice, I think, and that's it. Um,
2: well, my brain's full of Star <clears throat> Trek right now too. I just finished re-watching all of Deep Space Nine in the last month, mm-hmm. half of TNG in the last month. And then just this last three days, I've been trying to get enough enterprise into my brain so that I could talk about it with something useful to say, and I, I only made it so far. <laughs> Sorry, you're, everybody. You're, you're busy, man. Well, Christmas, you, got, you know, it was it was crazy busy.
1: Well, at least you're watching Star Trek. That's a good thing. Um, that's great. Yeah, yeah. You could, you know, you could have been watching Discovery, and you weren't. So that's good. You did good. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, yeah huh. and I, I don't, I don't, I, why do I do this to myself? Um, <laughs> like yesterday I was watching, <laughs> I was watching a scene, uh, cause there's this guy, uh, I can't remember. He's on YouTube and he, what he does is he breaks like a, a TNG episode into, into like five to 10 minute scenes, segments. Um, so I was watching a, a scene from uh, the 5th si- season TNG episode with Picard and it's the episode where they're going after the crystalline entity and he's having this discussion with with Dr. Dr. Marr because she wants to kill it, right? And Picard, you know, is is justifying like we're not hunters, doctor, we're explorers, you know, and all this other stuff. And I'm thinking this is so, you know, this is such great acting. It's so, you know, Picard is so strong. And his convictions are are on par, even though I I do think with you know I'm kind of with her too. Like you know, like this thing kills people, it should be taken out. Um, but I also understand where Picard's coming from, and that's good writing. That's good acting, and it's it was so nice to see Picard in in his true form, not the bumbling, swearing, old, you know, man that somehow survives like an explosion and gets thrown like 50 feet and and is not killed even though he's like in his 90s it's
2: nice to make points without preaching too
3: yeah you know and and that's and they they used to do that yeah Like, like next gen and ds9 in particular they made so many points and such powerful points and it was not preachy at all
1: yep
2: no, but it invoked empathy without oh. ramming it down your throat, like yeah. the the um, Far Beyond the Stars, Deep Space Nine, Benny Russell, mm-hmm. like find me someone who says that scene where he had his breakdown didn't get to them. Oh, he absolutely. Well, yeah. well and, and and that like it, it humanizes the issues that they're talking about.
1: Absolutely, yeah. and the thing with uh, like uh, going back to the TNG episode, it's called Silicon Avatar, um. Like I said, like it, you know, like I saw Picard's side, but I also saw her side. You know, like if my son had been killed by the crystalline entity, I'd want to kill it too. Um, and that that was the beautiful thing about that episode is they didn't tell you which which way to think. You know, like you could like like I said, like I was undecided because I saw Picard's side, I saw her side, whereas Discovery. Uh, it seems to me like it's like no, this is the way you're supposed to take this episode. This but is the you way you better need
2: to th- get the right answer. Yeah,
1: like they, yeah. it's like they're they they're preaching right at you, and not let lot letting you form your own opinion. It's like it's their opinion, or or get out of here. That's just, and I just well, feel that's like,
2: why it's stronger when. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt.
1: No, I, I was just saying. I I just feel that way. You know, with a lot of franchises nowadays. You know, like. You know, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, we're going to get past this woke um, mentality, you know, where not just woke, but um, this preaching mentality, SJW, whatever you want to call it, you know, and just let's get back to telling stories and let people make, you know, decide for themselves, you know, like well, I hunger
2: hit... stronger that way when oh, you yeah. form the idea in your own head and you all simultaneously come to the same you know, ultimately correct decision on your own, that has a way bigger effect than somebody giving it you the answer, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
4: Exactly. Giving you their answer, no less. Yeah. Not even just any answer. It's just
2: Yeah, right? Like their answer. You on the stars again, DS nine. You finish that episode and you're like, Hmm, I didn't see it that way. I kinda get it now. hmm You know? No no one had to explain to you specifically the point that you needed to pick up yep. you just did you know because good writing
1: <clears throat> absolutely good writing good acting you know and i i think discovery could have good acting but they're not getting the good writing so it's you know it's not going mm-hmm. hand, hand with hand there
0: mm-hmm.
3: but so, some of the cast are, are really good actors yep some of them are not and all of them are dealt with a poor direct like poor direction based on a poor script. Yeah. Yeah. You know, agreed. So, it's it's a real shame cuz it it had everything that you you could want. It had a huge budget. It had, you know, they were able to bring in some old old people, you know, like Picard and so on. Yeah. And it just uh, just they had all the right ingredients, but man, they did not they did not follow the recipe.
4: No. The souffle drops.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you drop it on the floor, you're not actually supposed to pick it up and keep cooking with it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, and and I know uh, they say that this takes, play, takes place in the Prime universe. And when I say Prime, like that's the original Star Trek universe. I don't think it does. I think it's in the JJ universe. That's how I see it. Like with all the lens The
4: Kelvin verse?
1: Yeah, the Kelvin verse. Yeah. With all the lens flares and all the plot it holes. It feels, feels, yeah. Yeah, certainly feels more Kelvin y. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, uh, this is our last episode of the year. Uh, we are moving into 2022. Hopefully, it's a better year. You know, hopefully, there's no more uh, Transformer variants out there that are going to. Screw us up and lock us down because I'm really getting tired of this.
2: Well, oh, that's God. just it, man. It's up to us if it's a better year or not. All you got to do is be cool to people.
1: Absolutely. You know? And and you know what? As much you as, decide. As much as I shit on, you know what? These last couple of years, what's been going on with the uh, with uh, you know COVID and all that stuff? Well, there are good things that have come out of it, and this podcast is one of them because we got together. Because we we you know, we were locked down, we were bored, and we started talking Star Trek, and here we are, you know, almost two years later, um, still talking Star Trek, still having a great time. So, you know, I'm 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 choosing to focus on the positive, and I'm hoping 2022, we're gonna get, this is gonna be behind us, and we're gonna be at conventions, and we're gonna be, you know, hitting up Ragnar at his table, you know, we're gonna be getting drunk at the bar <laughs> afterwards. You know, it's going to be I a want good to go time.
4: to Vulcan and record a podcast in person. The four of us together.
1: Oh,
2: absolutely! Oh, how cool would that be?
1: Yeah, that I'll, would be dope. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll bring my stuff down for sure. Maybe I'll bring my brother-in-law because he's an actual sound engineer. He can make it sound really hmm. good.
2: Cool. Wow. I remember that the first time Richard yep. and I were on your podcast was out yeah, on, your, Sebastian. on your deck. Yep, Sebastian. Beer.
1: Yep. Yeah, I'm sure he'd be up for coming down there and. Uh, yeah, we could even film it at the bar, and and yeah, it'd be fun. Um, but yeah, fingers crossed. I'm hoping Vulcan goes forward this year, because uh, yeah, I miss I miss that convention. I mean, I miss, I miss Calgary Comic Con, even though they had it, I didn't go this fall. Uh, I really missed it. Was it. Good. Yeah. I, yeah, I really missed Edmonton. You know, like they canceled it there. Yeah. Um, right at the
3: last friggin' minute.
1: Yeah and and Vulcan I'm I'm you know really really hoping you know like I, as much as I like I said as much as I miss those other two big ones you know the Vulcan one is the one I I think I love the most because you know it's it's Star Trek and I get and I know a lot of the people there you know it, it's a lot of fun so yeah fingers crossed 2022 is going to be better but before we go let's play that little game of where we can find you on the internet uh Richard, where can we find you, sir? Right here. Excellent. It, it's a good place to be. <laughs> um short,
0: sweet. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: and I'm here too. You know, like you know, like this is where I this is where I hang out. Uh Curtis, where can we find you, sir?
2: I'm here and I'm around on Facebook these days. I'm not very active, but if you want to uh chat, I'm on the the page for the uh, the podcast, excellent. and you can tell me all about how wrong you think my opinions are, and that's okay. We'll talk about it.
1: Excellent, excellent. I'm actually thinking of starting a Trek 1701 group. Uh, nice. I think I think I might do that. Um, cool. You, you know, more specific to Star Trek stuff and and uh, and this podcast. So th- that that'll be coming in 2022. I will do that. Wicked. Um, okay. I'm just writing this down so I don't forget. Truck 1701 Facebook group that is coming in 2022. Uh, Ragnar, where can we find you, sir?
3: Well, uh, RagnarTheTrader.com is my main website. I'm also um, medium active on social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. One of my New Year's resolutions is to uh, create a TikTok for Ragnar the Trader. Since nice. I get asked, I get asked at least 20 times a week why I don't have those. But, and uh, I will also attempt over the winter to be more active on social media, but uh, a lot of times I prefer to put my energy into actually making this stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and my. My real skill set is in talking to people, and I find mm-hmm. online I'm not as good at that yep. as I am in person. So, hopefully, this year we'll see a full return to shows and I can get back to doing what I love, which is meeting people all across Canada and talking about nerdy and Viking stuff while hopefully making a living. Well, So,
1: anyways, yeah. If, if I could make a suggestion, like you're talking about the TikTok stuff, I've always, like... Um... Since we've been talking and stuff, and I mean, you know, uh, I I order stuff from you, and the guys have ordered stuff from you, and and we love love your work. I'm always interested, I'd be interested to see how you make this stuff. Like, if you could get, like, someone to film you making some stuff, I would love to see that myself. Um, Yeah. I I find it fascinating. Thanks, man. Yeah, especially like That's, the car, the carving and stuff. Like, I, I would love to see. I'd love to see you at work and and, and see how it all comes together, because I'm interested in yeah. seeing that.
4: I would yeah. have to agree. Um, I don't know if I would go the TikTok route myself. I have my own issues with that. Yeah. But perhaps uh, like a, like a YouTube channel, you know, YouTube Shorts is yeah. a well, I think, is a similar function, right? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I think what I'll probably do is shoot shoot all the videos and then post them. On TikTok and YouTube, and probably on my website too. Yeah,
2: that'd be um, good. that's right. Broaden the exposure, not a boy. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Um,
4: yeah, because people love like watching like how it's made and mm-hmm. yeah. you know restorations and things like that. I think that that'd be really cool. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah,
4: and I think that that'd be just awesome. I'd be I would totally subscribe to that YouTube channel and watch yeah. every video. Well,
3: yeah. there'll be. I'm thinking a little bit of videos of how it's made, a little bit of videos of. What, like why it's made like the history of an item and a little bit of videos of product demonstrations.
0: Yep. Those are the yeah, just horns. just be drinking yeah. on camera. <laughs> just <Yeah>.
2: getting not <laughs> on camera. <laughs> well, no, those blowing horns, man, you got you need instructions for those.
3: Yeah, how to, you know, here's what they sound like cuz that's a question I get asked a lot. And uh, yeah, so on and so forth. So, we'll see, we'll see where my creative streak takes me. Well, and I need and, some help with demonstrations.
4: I can do anything except the blowing horn. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well,
1: I still well, haven't I mastered don't remember
2: it. Remember that? <laughs>
1: well, I was just thinking, like with with uh, the making of stuff. I know you you can't show everything, right? Because I mean, you got to keep some some oh, heck yeah. some yeah. secrets. Yeah, you there know. are some
3: definite yeah. secrets.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely, but. Uh, it, I think it would just be cool to get a tour of your workshop and, and all that kind of stuff and, and, um, yeah, see you on the road, see you setting up at a show, you know, maybe seeing some of the people that you meet like that would be fascinating. Absolutely. But, uh, all right. Well, uh, this was Trek 1701. uh, this was enterprise season 3.0. Um, we will be uh, doing a. Another episode of Trek 1701 uh, in a few weeks. I'm not sure which one we're going to be doing. Um, that is to be determined. And then uh, whatever episode we do, the next episode, we will finish uh, Season 3.5. So on behalf of all of us here at Trek 1701, I want to thank you, dear listener, for taking the time to listen to us talk about Enterprise Season 3.0. And on behalf of all of us, I want to say... Uh, have a happy holidays and have a great, new year. safe and happy new year.